welcome to the Gestational Diabetic. I am your host, Tracy Houston, and I am here to inform you and empower you so that you can be a confident member of your healthcare team. Quick medical disclaimer, none of the information in this podcast can be used to diagnose or treat any medical condition. If you have any concerns about your health, please discuss them with your healthcare team. Today, the beautiful lady Jordan came on to tell us her story about how her unmanaged blood sugars ended up affecting her son. And it's a crazy story, guys. It's not that her blood sugars couldn't be managed, but when she took her test, they told her that she was undiagnosed when actually she failed her glucose test. I found Jordan because in January, she posted in one of the gestational diabetes Facebook groups about what, what was happening and how her son would, had been affected by the unmanaged blood sugars. And she wanted to just spread the word so that other moms would know. And she wanted to give encouragement that yes, it sucks to prick your fingers four times a day, but it's so necessary because managing your blood sugars is a very serious matter. As you listen to the story, you'll hear that Jordan mentioned she had cholestasis. If, you're, if you don't know what that is, cholestasis, cholestasis is when the bile flow from your liver is either reduced or slowed or stops, and it becomes problematic. And it is a condition, it is a condition that happens in pregnancy sometimes. And it can adversely affect your blood sugar, so it is linked to having a higher risk of getting gestational diabetes. Cholestasis in pregnancy normally happens later on in the pregnancy, as does gestational diabetes. So in the notes, I will list the risk factors and symptoms of cholestasis so that you can know them and just be mindful of what's going on in your body, just in case that is something that you might be experiencing. All right, guys, that's the background on this. So let's listen to Jordan's story. Hi, Jordan. Thank you so much for, go- for coming on the podcast. Can you please uh, start us off by telling us what, when was it that you were actually pregnant? Well, my son was born in February 2019, so sort of late 2018 was when the problem started. Okay. My pregnancy. <laughs> and, well, you say when the problem started, what trimester were you in then? Um... I had the blood test at 28 weeks, so it would have been just coming into my third trimester. Okay. And so it was a blood test, or I assume it was the one-hour glucose test? We actually do three-hour tests here. Okay. No, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we don't do the one-hour. We just go straight into the longer test here. Um, Gotcha. But on the same day, I also had a lot of other blood tests done just routine blood tests checking iron levels and things like that so there was a lot of blood tests going on that day which is what possibly led to some of the um incorrect information that came back (laughs) okay so yeah so what happened you i well i guess let me ask first did did you have um off levels in other things that maybe contributed to uh the issues you were having yeah so i had um cholestasis of pregnancy ICP um, of pregnancy and that leads to an increased risk of having gestational diabetes so I I had a higher risk factor of having that anyway gotcha Um, but um, that was one of the things they were testing for on the same day Um, if if I give you like a brief sort of overview of what happened so I went in on my 28 week checkup and had numerous blood tests uh, one being for the glucose tolerance test, 
others being to check iron levels and also to check my liver levels because I was having problems with uh, itchiness during pregnancy. Um, and off the back of that, I was diagnosed with cholestasis. Um, and because they were so focused on that blood test, they um, misread my glucose tolerance test or, or oh. completely missed it. I had failed it. Um, and that led to me being told that I had actually, I actually got told I passed it, uh, which it later turned out that I had not. Wow. Uh, but I did not find out for another six weeks. Oh, wow. So you said 28 weeks of plus six. So you're at 30. Oh, gosh. Embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> the math. So uh, 34 weeks at that time, right? When you yes, found out that you were. Wow. Okay. So that's six weeks. And I mean, you know, sometimes we do have higher blood sugar for longer than just the time we were actually tested, you know, so for at yes. least six weeks, you were actually, you were having higher blood sugars than um, that were, that weren't in a safe range. So, yeah. wow. So that's at least six weeks of uncontrolled blood sugars. Okay. So then what happened when they actually realized that, hey, they told you the wrong information and now you had to, you know, rush to correct it or, you know, take action? So what happened? They um, had a clinic the next day to speak to a, um, a diabetic nurse who would help me you know to teach me how to do my blood sugars and what I should or shouldn't be eating and they advised they were going to get me on that clinic the next day and the next day I received a phone call to say actually they couldn't do it for another week <laughs> so I had to go another week before I was able to get a, a, a monitor or any dietary advice or anything like that so we're well into my 35th week at that point mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I was in, into my 35th week when I started, uh, when I was given a glucose monitor for my blood sugars. Um, quite quickly from testing, uh, you could see that my blood sugars, well, my, my sugar levels were not where they should be. Um, mm -hmm. And actually, I was having a very strange issue <laughs> where my, my sugars were actually um, uh, dropping into hypo levels. So they they were going too low, uh, even after eating, uh, mm. which is something which is something obviously that I could have picked up on had we been monitoring it sooner, but we hadn't. Um, my, my my body was overreacting and producing too much insulin. Um, yeah, and that that was causing my blood sugars to drop. Um, but by this point, I could eat and not get out of hypo and they were concerned in regards to whether my placenta was failing because um, obviously mm. by this point it had been through a lot <laughs> um, and I was, yeah. admitted, I was admitted for monitoring at 36 plus 2 because I'd had uh, repeated hypos and uh, reduced fetal movement um, and I then stayed in hospital and was on a monitor pretty much most of the day <laughs> And when I was 36 plus four, they came in and said they were taking me for a C-section in, in an hour. <laughs> um, and that I had to have the baby. Wow. Yes. That basically my placenta was failing, but they tested it after I had the, after I had the C-section and they confirmed that it was failing. Um, and that if they'd waited any longer, I might have actually lost the baby. It was all very dramatic. Um, but as you know from conversations with you, uh, 
the problems did not end there, unfortunately, for my son. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I had obviously myself been producing too much insulin during the pregnancy, which also caused the baby to produce too much insulin. After he was born, he couldn't stop producing too much insulin. Um, often this will resolve itself within a few days for newborns. Um, after two weeks in the NICU and no improvement, he was transferred to a different hospital where a specialist team uh, took over his care. Mm -hmm. He was actually, um, he had to be attached to a sugar drip uh, 24 hours a day. He was, they were not oh, able wow. to, they tried to, uh, every time they tried to take him off of it, he would um, crash. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so he was moved to the specialist hospital where they also hoped it would resolve itself, but it, it didn't. <laughs> and yeah. when, he, when he was about three and a half weeks old, they put him on some medication, which actually limited the insulin production. Uh, it's called diazoxide, I think. Um, and after a few days on that, he was able to leave the hospital. But he had to, hmm. to stay on that medication. Um, it was, that was a difficult time because the, the medication can actually cause um, heart problems. So he had to go down and have a scan on his heart to make sure his heart was up to taking the medication, which is quite scary when you've got a little baby. Right. And, um, at one point, he had to, um, where he had this uh, sugar line in his body, um, it actually stopped working and th they needed him to have one all, all, at all times. So they had to take him and put him under general anaesthetic and put a line in his neck because the one in his leg failed. So my little yeah. baby, <laughs> and he had this, this right. horrible line coming out of his neck. Um, but like I said, they were able to turn him around and get him out of hospital and on medication um that so how long how long did he end up spending in the hospital uh he spent 28 days in hospital from from birth okay were you able to uh pre give breast milk or i don't know if that was if that's what you wanted but i know a lot of moms are concerned about um hearing stories of babies having low sugars and the hospital wanting to supplement with formula or just give formula in order to get their sugars corrected so what was your situation? I was really fortunate in that I um, quite quickly had a really good breast milk supply. So okay. they, they did use formula for the first couple of days whilst I worked on my getting my supply. Um, but after that, he was, he was able to solely have my pumped milk. He was not able to, they had to feed him because they, he had to have measured amounts of milk. So they had to feed him through a tube in his nose right um just because of his blood sugars they had to make sure he was getting enough food basically so mm -hmm. um but he was able to have express milk which is they were really good in the hospital actually but they had um a, a nurse who specialized in helping mothers learn to breastfeed so she was really really helpful in getting my supply to come in quickly and getting him on the breast milk Wonderful. and off the formula because they do think yeah. that that can, that can help with blood sugars um, if you're able to do it unfortunately not everybody is, is as lucky uh, I think I was very mm -hmm. fortunate that I was able to get that supply and not everybody is that fortunate and certainly don't I wouldn't say 
don't beat yourself up, don't beat yourself up about it it's um you have to do what's best for your baby and uh if if i hadn't been able to produce the milk then i would have been just as happy with the formula right yeah <clears throat> okay so what happened when he was discharged from the hospital so as first time parents this was all very much fun for us um, oh, we yeah. were given strict instructions for our child <laughs> So he had to have medication three times a day, and he was not he was not allowed to go longer than four hours without food. So that meant if he was asleep or even in the middle of the night, I had to wake him up and make him eat, and uh, I had to check his blood sugars four to six times a day. And I was given a, a treatment kit for if he was having a hypo. So it's, it's quite a lot for new parents to take on, I think yeah um but we ha we did have a really good team of specialists who were on hand like we could call them if we had any questions or and we did end up uh we had quite a few hospital visits after that shall i say <laughs> um my he's um he's 18 months old now and i feel like this is like a distant memory <laughs> but um i certainly hope i don't have it with my next son but um he when he gets sick even now he can have low blood sugars so mm -hmm. when he was six months old he was um they were able to wean him off the medication um and we still had to monitor his blood sugars regularly so sort of three to four times a day check his blood sugars and he wasn't allowed to go longer than sort of eight hours without food um because although he was well managed he still wasn't as a normal child would be um okay. So, so, quick question. He's at this point, he was weaned off the medication. So, was his insulin production uh, normalized, so to speak? Because you said he was overproducing. And so that's why they put him on the medication to right, cut that yeah. back. Okay. So, is his insulin at this point um, normal? Yeah. So, um, has, like I said, he has some, he has some overreaction. So, um, he, he, he had still, he, he could go. It's difficult to explain. So like, when he was born, he, he could only go two hours without food um, mm -hmm. and he, he would crash. Uh, like, as in, like, he would get very, very low blood sugars. Um, and then as he got older, they were able to put him up to four hours. Um, but when he, when he was six months old, his body could go eight hours without. So he could almost go through the night, but not quite. Um, so you'd have to wake him up early to, to feed him. Mm -hmm. um, but then, and then, and then, for some reason, at the eight hour, eight, the eight, eight hour mark, his his body would then start producing too much insulin again. Um, mm -hmm. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. The pancreas, I don't know why it does what it does. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so, and then as as he got older, he was able to go longer and longer without food, and we wouldn't have to check. We wouldn't have to check his blood sugars unless we thought there was something. Um, like if he was shaky or not feeling himself mm -hmm. um, then apart from a, a few times I think the most recent time was January so thankfully not too recent he has um, if he gets ill he for some reason goes back into producing too much insulin so he'll have um, hypos and sometimes he'll have to go back into hospital okay because we can't manage it from home if he's ill so he spent like 
four nights in December he spent in hospital and three nights in January he spent in hospital. Um, in January he ended up on a drip because they couldn't get him to keep his blood sugars up. But um, since then, gotcha. he, he's had a real he, he's had a real big turnaround and he's doing really well, really well since the, since that January. Awesome. Yes, yes, I'm very happy. <laughs> when he you said when he gets ill, then he'll have um, he'll go back into like an overproduction of insulin mode, which will make him be hypoglycemic. Yeah. So is that something that you can recognize as you're taking his blood sugar and that you can at first try to manage at home? Or is that something that you realize, okay, he's ill, there's, some, there's stuff happening in his body and you have to bring him to um, medical care? So we, we, have, we have a treatment plan. So the plan is to try and treat at home. Uh, we have um, okay. like a gel that... Um, that you put in the in the gums to try and bring the the blood sugars back up um and the plan is to try that and then you have to leave it like 15 20 minutes and then if if that doesn't work then use use another tube of that it's like pure sugar gel basically and then um okay if if that were to not resolve the information like if that wasn't to bring it up with the blood sugars then we would take him back into hospital essentially gotcha. um but since january we've been able to treat them from home and he's not had to escalate to that next step so that's good <laughs> if you think about how he was um uh, sort of six months to how he is now um the progression as he gets older um will he'll have better and better responses like as he has over the last 12 months improved that should only improve more as he gets older i i mentioned to you in that when we were chatting that i am um pregnant again yes <laughs> um, congratulations thanks and yeah. we're, we're doing we're doing nine weeks and we're hopeful that we don't have to um go through this again <laughs> ever yeah right i know so you you passed your um glucose test this pregnancy Yes, actually, they've, they've yeah. done it twice so far, and um, I've passed both times. However, when having my ultrasounds, the baby is showing some signs of um, being a diabetes baby, if that makes sense. He's got the, um, he's, being, he's larger than average, and he's got, he's got a large um, abdomen reading as well. So they are concerned. Yeah. <laughs> Um, huh. They are concerned and they are keeping an eye on it. I'm having regular scans every two weeks at the minute. Okay. So, did they test you in your first trimester for your, your A1C? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then again, just before my third trimester. Great. And they did, you guys don't do the one hour. You said you just do the three hour test. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, so you're not diagnosed, but your baby is reading as though he would be a large baby and you did they well i don't know if this is um if they actually diagnosed you as having placental failure the first pregnancy but i would assume that that's what they're concerned about again this pregnancy is that right yeah yeah because um i i, I didn't know that all the technical ins and outs of it but they tested my placenta after my first after my c-section um and they found it had high a high level of gas that it shouldn't have in there 
um, and that that's why they think um, that my, my placenta was failing, basically. Um, oh. But I know from my own research that uncontrolled blood sugars can cause the placenta to age. Um, right. And that's why this pregnancy, they've been trying to monitor me more, but obviously mm-hmm. um, not having the diagnosis of the gestational diabetes, but the signs of having it with the baby is obviously a cause for concern <laughs> but we'll right. see how we get on <laughs> so are they expecting to uh induce you or maybe i don't i wouldn't think you would have well in an emergent situation i guess have a c-section i don't know you know health issues you have surrounding you but is there like a scheduled time frame where they're looking at probably they're going to have to take the baby um they will know more after we have a scan next week um, they want okay. to do a comparison for because his um, abdomen was measuring large on the last scan. They they want to do a comparison for the scan next week and see, make a plan from there basically. Gotcha. Okay. And are you testing your blood sugars on your own right now to keep track? Yes. Yes. Had I've had some things I can't eat, so I can't eat cereal, which is annoying. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's a nice easy meal when you have a toddler running around um, yes. but I'm, I've mostly been okay um, like I said and if I've tested and, and it's not been okay then I've been able to cut that out of my diet so they they they, they think rather than um, rather than diabetes I might have some glucose intolerance this time around so where I'm just a bit more sensitive to it um, yeah. and, it's, and it's not it's not gone into full-blown diabetes um, so hopefully the baby right. won't have the same complications. Um, I think I think um, obviously I'm part I'm part of this group on Facebook for the gestational diabetes mothers, and mm-hmm. I think um, not all of them. I don't think they're they're aware of their hard work that they're putting in to look after their blood sugars. How much of an, how much how important it is. What even though it's really hard. They're doing a they're doing a great job and um, they're stay, you know, they're they're possibly stopping their child from having to go through what my child went through. If you think about yeah. how much like it's it's it is on there quite a lot that like everyone hates testing their blood sugars. Well, it's a lot it's a lot worse doing it to your newborn baby. <laughs> um, uh, you know, yeah, I just think um, I, I I don't think that they necessarily understand or appreciate. That their hard work is actually making a difference. I know it's really hard to follow that diet and not eat your pregnancy cravings and everything, but they are making a difference. And that's why I wanted to. That's why I agreed to speak to you because I just really feel on there that they don't understand how amazing they are. <laughs> mhm. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, um, I I I was a part of group of the group when I had uh, gestational diabetes and you know, people would post their pictures of the baby when they were born and say, you know, every prick was worth it. And I would just kind of roll my eyes like, yeah, whatever, but I hate this right now, you know? And um, I mean, that's, that's what it was. I was in a self-pity mode and hey, I mean, whatever, that's what it was for the time and that's okay. But um, when my child was born and she had to have her sugars tested and to hear her scream when they... Um, it was on her heel that they tested and it just, I mean, my entire body just cringed. I hated it. Um, and so I was like, man, maybe if I did better, uh, 
at uh, doing this, then they wouldn't have had to do that. But that's not the case. They would have had to test their sugars anyway, you know. But thankfully, you know, it was only a couple of times that they had to test her sugars like that. And she normalized, um, I think, on her third test after being born. That's but man, yeah. I never knew that gestational diabetes could have such an effect on, on the unborn baby. I thought mm-hmm. that um, it might be born a bit fat you know <laughs> and yeah. uh, and that would be it so um i think what you're doing is great trying to get people to understand that it's not just about that um and you know it, it, if it can make a difference to anyone or even help them eat another egg instead of a bowl of cereal <laughs> yes then I, think I, I think that's a great thing and um i think gestational diabetes is hard on on mothers um because you have all these different cravings and different things and you don't want to cook or you've got you know because you're so tired from the pregnancy and i think um we don't do ourselves enough credit for it yeah i know because it's hard work you know and especially it's it's even harder when we don't have the support from the our loved ones especially the ones that are in our household you know because they don't understand it you know and they might not be uh sympathetic towards it but it is hard work and um it's it's taxing um mentally and emotionally and plus you know it's just one more thing on top of pregnancy pregnancy is for some people you know it's hard even though our bodies are made for it but you know there's a lot that comes along with it so in in regards to your baby now measuring large, you know, there are babies that are born considered large, um, even though there's no gestational diabetes diagnosis. So it's not super strange that you're not having blood sugar issues, but your baby is still measuring large, you know, so just for any, any mom out there who might be, uh, you know, considering that. Okay, guys, what a crazy journey, right? It just goes to show you that we do program our child's metabolism by the foods that we eat. You know, I'm reminded of uh, what Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. So what we do put into our bodies does affect us and it affects our baby. It actually programs our baby. It's so crazy to think about it in that light, but that's exactly what's happening. And for Jordan to be told that she passed her glucose test when in actuality she didn't, oh man, can you imagine that type of feeling? But not only that, not only was she told six weeks late that she actually didn't pass it, it, but she had to wait another week to get guidance on how to actually manage her blood sugars. You know, guys, that is not a one-off situation. That happens a lot. In fact, it happened to me, and that's why I created the gestational diabetic, because in those situations where a person has to wait a week, for me, it was two weeks, for one person that I talked to on Reddit, (laughs) it's so insane. She had to wait over a month. I think it was closer to two months, if I'm not mistaken, just to talk to a dietitian because it had to do with her insurance the area she was in and the access to dietitians and dietitians that could advise in this matter. So that's why the gestational diabetic is here is to cover that interim period where you're diagnosed and then you finally get to meet with a dietitian. For some people it's immediate and that's awesome. That's great. But for others, that's just not the situation. 
So do me a favor, guys, take a look around the site and let me know uh, what's missing. What would you like on the site that you would find helpful that, would, that you think would help other moms? And I listen to all the comments and emails that I receive and I do, um, I do make changes to the site based on those recommendations. So I'm so appreciative of that, guys. Thank you so much. So if you do find something that you want to recommend to me, you can scroll down to the bottom of any page on the website and you'll see a comment section. Go ahead and leave it there or there's also a contact me page that you can send me an email on. This is episode four and if you wanted to go to the blog post linked to this episode to see the notes about cholestasis and the risk factors and all that, you can go to the gestationaldiabetic.com forward slash the number four for the number four. Guys, this was great. Thank you so much, Jordan, for coming on and sharing your story and wanting to help and encourage other moms. Remember, guys, every prick is worth it.